Welcome to the Social Cohesion Podcast, the podcast that consistently asks, what would the world be like if everyone was performing at their best? I'm Daniel Holly, your host. Every episode, I was going to say for this episode, no, it's every episode, I'm always going to be the host. It's my show. <laughs> now, in this episode, my interviewee is going to uh, remain nameless uh, for reasons, but it's talking about environmentalism and sustainability. The environment. And it's certainly a drastic conversation now because people have said, you know, the earth is dying and we discussed this in the interview. But really, I think what comes what it comes down to is the sense of what can be done. And I notice, actually, in conversations that I see that people feel like they have to throw everything away. Like we can't do anything. I actually know people who live because they always have live in a way where they're very, very resourceful and quite minimal in how they use resources. And it works for them, it's something that they do. But it's always asking, well, what can we do? What is possible for, for us to do as society, as individuals, of course, globally? What can be done? And that's what I brought this person on to discuss because I'm sure there are answers. And in my line of work, and certainly for me anyway, there's always an answer. There's always a solution. There's always something. It's just a case of getting into the right mindset and being given the right guidance and perhaps the right information to allow those ideas, those thoughts, those decisions and, and solutions to come forward. Hence why I do a podcast where I invite people on to talk about these things. And of course, I ask you, the listener, to engage mentally and psychologically with it to see where you can fit in, where you can take your part. So, everyone, without further ado, I bring you this guest who is an expert and whose life purpose certainly sits in environmentalism and sustainability. It's a special episode this week on the podcast, on the Social Cohesion podcast, and it's because I have a guest on who will remain nameless. They have no name, and that's for professional reasons, and, and I really wanted to honour that because I do know this person. However, uh, they, you know, they have a job and they have a career that they want to really maintain, and therefore um, we keep their name out of it. But I really respect and have a lot of time for this person's knowledge and experience and passion in the area of uh, environmental work and sustainability and so on. So I wanted to bring this person on so that they could share what they know and what they want to achieve, actually, in their areas of sustainability. So, hello. Hello. Well, thank you very much for the lovely introduction. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. Mm. And welcome onto the podcast. Thank you so much for being part of this in rather unconventional terms. That's not a problem. Like, it's nice to be here. Good. Yay! So then, so then, let's get to it. Now, um, as of course the structure goes, we'll start with sustainability. Well, do you know what, actually, I really want to nail down whether or not environmentalism and sustainability are one and the same. I mean, what's the difference? It's... Uh... It's part of sustainability, so it's there's three elements to it. So, uh, because the the world as as we see it is is all interconnected, people and our planet, it really has to work together in balance. Yeah. Uh, so it's about balancing our people, um, our planet, and how we look after it, and our profit. Because without profit, we won't be able to keep that balance and ensure that people have got livelihoods and also keeping being very mindful of how we impact our planet and how we look after it. Mm -hmm. And I can hear immediately. See, this is why everyone, this is why listeners, I had this person on because everything you just said ties directly into exactly what I want to see in social cohesion in regards to it's not just, it's not just about the people. It is about the environment and of course about profit. How can we, you know, continue to prosper while also looking after each other and the world, uh, the earth, as it were. So beautiful. All right. So let's start with the individual. Let's start with an individual person. Let's say the singular listener right now. Um, what do you think is getting in the way of them really approaching sustainability and, and environmentalism in their everyday life? I think it's very much a cultural um, issue. Uh, it's 
very much about how society has evolved and the expectation of individuals today. Mm -hmm. And those expectations are different for different people, for different countries, for different regions, for different places around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in this country, specifically in the UK, um, we can say that a lot of people expect things instantly here and now. And wanting to buy products or services at a cheaper rate, mm-hmm. so it so it becomes this throwaway culture because things can is so affordable yeah. that actually we can oh we don't want that anymore we can actually just throw that away and get another one because it's cheaper to buy a new one than it is to repair an old one yeah um and and what's happened is over the years I mean if you talk about 50 60 years ago that it was a very different society then because we didn't have the technology mm. or we didn't have the innovations that we have today so it was very much about actually we need to save it was a pair of jeans it would be more common for someone to have repaired their pair of jeans mm. than to just throw it away and actually buy another pair but now it's completely different. You can buy an, a dress online for five pounds, yeah, uh, and throw it away. There is no value. There's no emotional value in that product. Mm. Uh, but how many people has it taken to make that dress? And do are we as a society really thinking? Well, if there's been hundreds of people making that one dress, how much do each person get gets paid? And are they really being looked after? There's so much that I'm hearing in that, absolutely. So to, to touch on the last point, it's considering really the manual labor or I'd say person hours required to produce something that's used for comparatively five minutes, comparatively, right? Yeah. And how often that turnover takes place. So if we think about all the time that's been put into producing a product that someone buys just because they feel like it or because they want to replace something broken that they could fix you think well where could those where could those hours really go into something perhaps better more productive more forward thinking and and into something better for everyone long term Um, I'm also hearing this element of and I say this without the bitterness behind it you know an element of capitalism in which you know consumerism takes over it's easier to just buy new stuff just buy new stuff and in that, there also ties into the element of um, who, what's the term? When people want to buy new things, uh, early adopters. Yeah. Yeah, people who'd rather have the latest, the latest, greatest gadgets and things like that. I find it very interesting that we say the word consumers very easily. And a citizen, is, it's changed from the word citizen to, to consumer. Okay. All right. Uh, and I find that a very interesting thing that the that the tone has changed, that the word has changed. We're yeah. all consumers, even people that work in business are consumers. Indeed. Product and of services of all kinds. Mm. It's not just one industry. There's a, there's a multiple number of industries that you can look at. You know, there's, you know, all you have to do is go to a coffee shop, for example, take a takeaway coffee. And you have that lid, yeah. that lid, and, and the use of that lid is to keep your coffee or your tea warm or hot for a few minutes. Yeah, and or just in the cup. <laughs> but what happens to it afterwards? It mm. goes to the landfill, but yeah. we don't consider, it's the mindfulness, it's the consideration, it's the awareness of what do we use in our everyday lives, mm. and then what's the aftermath of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, do you know what? You got me thinking there. Um, I don't often buy coffees um, in coffee shops. And that, that is, I just don't. That's not any kind of political standing or anything. But you did get me thinking immediately about when I do go into coffee shops and I see those stacks of coffee lids that are on display and then the thousands of coffee lids that will be sat in the back storage of one coffee shop and then think about every single coffee shop that exists. And you think, my goodness, yeah. It is exactly that, the amount that's produced for what is a five minute job and then and then literally discarded. It's almost like it's actually its actual purpose is more to fill a landfill than for what the producers had actually envisioned it to be used for. But it's not all doom and gloom. So so there's there is 
innovation mm-hmm. technologies there there's some really smart and clever people in yeah. this world and and so you know there are ways to look at look at our materials how do we use our materials globally and how can we put the materials that we use back into manufacture and there's a thing called the circular economy that um, people are starting to discover and organizations such as the Ellen MacArthur Foundation has started to do lots of studies mm-hmm. on that. Um, it's the, the concept, it makes sense because, you know, you use fabric or you use plastic or you use whatever um, materials that you need for your product. Uh, you sell it on to the consumer or the citizen, whichever words you prefer, mm-hmm. and then you, then that citizen then uses that product. But when they no longer require that product, what do they do with it afterwards? Can it be turned into a new product again? Can mm-hmm. it be recycled? Can it be uh, mended to then be sold on to new people? Yeah. But this is, it's not just a one business issue. It's a whole systematic issue because Absolutely. all different all different industries, all different types of companies, they're all interlinked together. And if, if there's no recycling system or infrastructure, for example, yeah. then the innovations at the top end aren't any use. Yeah. So it has to be an, an all-inclusive thing. And it's very, very difficult to get all of that on on one page. Sure, sure. Okay, so so you said you know it's not all it's not all doom and gloom. Of course, we've got the Ellen McCarthy Foundation and and businesses that are looking at how to pretty much recycle um, used materials so that we're not pulling resources or sucking out resources from uh, from the earth and damaging the earth as well. So I think, again, back to the individual, what sort of actions can one person take, say our listener right now, what kind of things can they start to perhaps do or be more conscious of that's going to slow down or even better reverse the impacts that we've had on the environment and, and sustainability as well? I think one thing, excuse me, I think one thing that everybody has um, that's free of charge is choice. Mm. And um, the choices are where do you purchase your products from? Where do you get your services from? And understanding and developing the relationship with that brand, wh- whoever it may be, and understanding well, how do you work and, uh, and asking questions. Mm. You know, I know when I'm working, I get a lot of, lot of people from outside of the brand ask, you know, well, how is this made and uh, does this harm the environment or are you paying people fairly? Mm. And very valid questions. And I'd openly answer those questions. And as a person within business, I'll always admit that it's always going to be a journey and was always evolving. We always need to get better. Yeah. It's not always possible to get better instantly because we have to rely on other components and other businesses and other parts of the supply chain to be able to come on a level playing field with everyone but we it's always this work in progress piece yeah so so yes and indeed i'm hearing that effectively that because i i hear what you're saying and i i i guess i remember an interview i saw in regards to climate change and and that area and someone making this argument of you know you're not going to throw away your car and you're not going to suddenly you know stop using electricity and stop using energy and stop using plastic altogether and they use that as an argument to suggest how impossible it was for us to make any improvement whatsoever but of course just like you just like you just said it's a case of no it's step by step it's a process it's a journey it's got to be you know one one thing at a time and actually basically having sustainability in your change towards sustainability so yeah. that so that you're not expected to suddenly just start you know not eating so much meat and consuming so much plastic or buying so much plastic sorry and things like that it's about just like you said being conscious and then making that choice when that choice arises and you're able to do it 
and then having that become a pattern and a habit so that you are at least minimizing at best. Consumers have the power to demand from brands what they want. Oh, so yeah. If consumers don't want single-use plastic in any of their products or services, mm. they don't have to buy single-use plastic. They can go to a brand where they are environmentally conscious and have found a better solution. Yeah, The masses will dictate to the brands exactly what what they want and brands will then adapt to what they want but then you also have the other technology and innovation side it's like those brands can't do anything until the technology and innovation becomes available mm. at a price that's affordable so so then the con customer can also afford that that product yes so yeah. it's kind of trying to balance everything to be able to provide the consumer what they want. But ultimately, they have the power to choose exactly what they want from a product and service point of view. Indeed. That, I think that, that poses as one of the challenges for, for people day-to-day uh, -day because I understand that affordability at the moment seems to be trumping a lot of things. You know, can I can I basically afford it? I don't you know, I don't care whether it's good for the environment or not. It's cheap. And I'm not you know, I'm not saying that in any judgmental way, because I know I've been in a position where actually that's that's been the only choice I've had to make. You know, it's not a case of right now, you know, is this going to be good for the environment? It's a case of this is what I can afford. And that challenge stands up against people's intentions and against people's choices. And so. I, I hear also in what you're saying that, yeah, we do we do absolutely need to make that choice. And I think that's what, how veganism has actually made the movement that it's made in the world because people spoke up and, and really, really showed their hand in how they felt about um, eating meat and eating living beings. And look at how an entire food industry has changed and adapted to serve that. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible. It's like the evolution, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's the survival of the fittest. And when you're talking about affordability, absolutely. I've also personally been there where, you know, to afford the next meal on occasion. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's actually, you know, how do we navigate uncertain times? I know in this country right now, you know, the whole country is navigating uncertain times yeah. and it's about how do we get better at navigating that and how do we how do we come together as a collective mm. because at the moment what's happening is that people are retreating away and becoming isolated mm. and that's very much based on the emotion of fear yes. because we don't know what's around the corner we don't know how things are going to affect us or taxes are going to affect us or mm. trade is going to affect us in the business world. Yeah. Everyone is retreating and saying, okay, well, we need to protect ourselves to keep ourselves going. It's that very much that survival instinct. And, and when fear kicks in, everything retreats. So it takes away the, the, the innovation going forward because people are too scared to invest but we don't have the the luxury of saying, well, do we want to invest or not? Because, you know, if you look at the environmental stats, by 2048, the ocean's ecosystems are about to collapse. You, you've got, got to think about it in the context of actually it's not about that. We just won't have, we won't have a human, we won't have any humans left. No, no. On, and it's not about saving the planet. The planet is perfectly capable of looking after itself. That's actually a good point, yeah. <laughs> You're right, go on. <laughs> but the planet, but what, what that means is, if we do not consider the planet, it will make humans extinct, mm -hmm. generate itself yes. again. Are we talking about saving the planet or are we talking about saving humankind? I really wanted to pause there. That is such an important point. 
And I'm so glad that you said that because I had said this recently and I didn't, I didn't hold on to it as a point that was really important to make. So I'm really, really glad you said that. The, the earth will live, the earth will survive through this. The earth may seem like it's dying, but actually what it's doing at the moment is it's going, it's basically going to, for lack of a better term, fight back. Not that we're fighting it, there's not a battle, but it's going to kind of kick back and, and go, you know, this isn't working for me as mother nature would, this isn't working for me and whatever's hurting me needs to, needs to go. So I'm not going to be um, in a habitable space, hospitable space <laughs> for, for human beings. So actually we, we can't think that we're killing the planet. We're absolutely got to be thinking we're killing ourselves with this action. We're wiping ourselves out. And that really, I think hits home a little bit harder than going, oh, we're killing this thing. That's not us. Whether we think it's our home or not, it's not us, but actually it is us. The, the earth will live on. So I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. And it's really um, kind of switches the conversation around, I feel, quite dramatically. So, okay, so that, that's also perfect because it, it goes from talking about the individual person and their consciousness of their choice and where they can make their choice, when they can make the choice, into how we look at groups and how groups are affected by sustainability and environmentalism. And I like the fact that you've already mentioned, you know, people can band together. I've had this conversation recently as well. People can band together and just make a statement about how they want the people that they buy from to behave. And they can do that through simply either buying from them or not. And they can literally just pull back and go, this is, this is no longer what we want. We're going to buy from this company because they're more about these sorts of values that we hold. So I would say again, starting with the problems that, that, groups of people, societies and cultures face in being able to uphold the appropriate levels of sustainability. I mean, what kind of challenges are we looking at in that space? I feel like we've already touched on it, but if, if there's something new there, what, what challenges do you think there would be? That's a very big question. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that in terms of what do you mean from a business point of view or from an individual point of view or from a global point of view? Um, well, okay, let's go with business. Let's actually go with business from a business perspective. What challenges are we there? So, so for example, if we're going to focus on product, for example, any type of product, we have a infrastructure that doesn't provide any services or unified services for recycling. And plastic's a really easy example. Mm. You've had the, the ultimate David Attenborough effect that's happened. You know, mm -hmm. he's done an incredible job of making people aware and putting it at the top of the agenda. Yeah. And yeah. I know I personally felt I became a plastics expert after that. <laughs> well, how can we change our packaging or how... But actually, when I spoke to suppliers, they were like, yeah, this is biodegradable. You can have this or you can have that. Right, biodegradable, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What that means is that that plastic will just break up into pieces that are smaller than what the eye, the human eye can see, and it will still contaminate the soil. Right. It doesn't mean it's environmentally friendly. It, uh... I mean, biodegradable materials differ, so it's not just, you know... Um, if you hear the word biodegradable, it's not always harmful because it depends on the on the material. Sure. But but that demonstrates the complexity and the confusion that is held going, well, what can I put in my recycling? What can't I put in my recycling? Mm. So actually, no matter how much I've, I've searched high and low for packaging solutions, and actually the industry that I sit in, mm. the industry doesn't have a solution. Wow. We don't have a solution that's too expensive for us. Um, we're, con we're searching high and low. We search high and low to manufacture in the UK. Yeah. No infrastructure in the UK. The skills are dying. Mm. Next generation will not know how to mend a button on their coat. Mm. And this is where, this is what is challenging. It's, it's the skills, it's the, um, it's the confusion because this, because it's not made clear that it's not a clear system or a process that flows from when you buy a product to to when that product dies. That mm. product should never die. How does it just become that circular? How how can we just 
keep the resources. We don't need any more resources from the planet. We've got enough mm. resources Absolutely. to use again and again. Mm. How do we, How who's going to invest in that? You know, is it the business's responsibilities? How, because to for a business to buy a factory, that's a lot of money that a general SME business can't necessarily afford. So mm. what's, what needs to happen is more collaboration and yeah. a mindset change of actually not to be fearful of collaborating with other brands, but to actually be excited about working with other brands to make the operational side of the business absolutely stunning because mm. you can make the customer side of the business, you've got all marketing and things like that, that you can differentiate yourselves as a brand of how you how you tell stories but operationally mm. you can work together yeah you know and but but there is a lot of fear with that i've tried talking to different brands myself and saying you know would you would you be interested in working together and actually you get a lot of resistance because it's not because they don't want want to so they're, they're fearful they're like well if we do that we might kill our brand yeah yeah if, if we do sell a um, product that's been mended, no one's going to want to buy a new product. Mm -hmm. That means that we're going to have, no one's going to buy anything. That means we're going to have less profit. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's where this fear factor kicks in. And I don't believe that that's going to be the case. Right. I actually believe we, you would become a much more profitable business because the mindset of the younger generations are changing. Mm -hmm. Much more aware than the older generation. Yeah. They're more mindful. They are making more choices with more awareness about the environmental impact and how pe and want to know how people are being treated in their supply chains. Sure. And they are making more choices. And I think there's we're in this in between where we've got one generation not really thinking about that because it's not because they're mean people, it's because it's never been in their culture to do so. Because no. it, wasn't, it wasn't widely talked to, it wasn't widely known. No. Now, now the younger generation, you know, I would say the majority does care. And they are being seen, they are, they are choosing uh, very, very differently. Um, so there is this big divide, but we're in an in-between. A crossover phase. The crossover phase, but is the crossover phase too long? That's a good question, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to quickly interject, actually, for the listeners as well. While while um, the topic is on business, I've always I've always wanted to translate any talk about business into any group of people socially. Um, because uh, people naturally want to prosper together and even in social environments, you know, you want to share space with someone, you want to um, socialize with people and have groups work together. So while you're listening, I do want to hear you, the listener, um, or I do would like you to hear that while, yeah, while it's about business, we're also talking about sustainability as a group, as a society in your social life as well. And these things can indeed be translated accordingly. Um, in regards to perhaps how you work together with other people for the betterment of sustainability, how you hold discussions around, you know, the use of certain materials and the reuse of certain materials. Perhaps someone that you know has a skill that actually would empower your ability to be more sustainable in your life. And so it can all be translated. So while we're talking about business, that doesn't mean it's irrelevant to any other area or sector. I just want to point that out. Um, but thank you for thank you very much for for sharing all of that because it just it, it does speak to the idea that while yes the young generations you know are coming up and they're making new choices and that's that's encouraging of course but then it also suggests that the older generations actually need to look at that and I could go off on a rant about you know communication between older and younger generations but we want we want to look at that and go right what are they doing because they are more aware, they're more conscious, and they're more, uh, I'd say, about their future than we are. So what are they doing that we're not doing yet? 
and let's let's see if we can work together in that regard to really speed this crossover up. Absolutely, and I think what one of the things is that you know the older generations, even talking back to a uh, hundred years ago, um, there wasn't that many people on the planet as there is today. So it's about so if you take the metaphor of a restaurant um, and there are 20 tables in this restaurant, four people per table. And a hundred years ago, there was about 50 people mm. on average, um, 50 people that would take those seats maybe for one sitting. Right. Uh, or, and then uh, 20 years later, there were 70 people, mm-hmm. you know, taking those seats for one and a half sittings yeah. per month or whatever, per week. Sure. And then and if you see when you're looking at the population as it grows, it's really hard to uh, firstly, you know, make sure you have enough food in that restaurant, make sure you have enough staff in that restaurant. Can, can they facilitate all those people effectively with the same service, with the same quality? Mm. How you got to today where you've got, four, five sittings in an evening, you're trying to push people in, push people out, yeah. and it's constant churn. But then, burn. And then it becomes that, then you've got that stress factor where, you know, the owner of the restaurant is shouting at the waiter or the waitress going, you know, you spilt this food, you wasted that food, now we've got less, less people that we can serve because that table is going to take longer to finish their food so we can get the next sitting in. Mm -hmm. And then it's putting that stress on it. And then what happens is that then when, when the owners of that restaurant are looking at their profits going, actually it went down that week and we, we don't want it to go down. So someone needs to pay for that. We're Mm -hmm. going to blame the waitress because, or the waiter because they cost us this, so now we will deduct it. Uh, yeah. Because the the um, there's no time to think about the bigger picture. Yeah. Actually, when that waiter or waitress dropped that food, why did they drop it? Is there something going on? Mm-hmm. Are they scared of someone? Mm-hmm. Is something? Is there? Are they? Have they experienced something that has upset them? outside of the workplace and you know looking at that person not as a commodity but as a human being Mm. human beings are complex creatures yeah we work on many many different levels but but we're bursting at the seams so there's no time you know people have this perception of time going we don't have time we're too busy 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 (laughs) you know if we get more profits then then we can um we can keep up with the society and culture and this change and this, you know, instant gratification or the, you know, we want, we want everything right now on a, mm. but we have the technology that's capable of doing it. Mm. The expectations have also changed and then the priorities have also changed. So then the perspective changes and yeah. the mindset change, but we've gone so far deep in that mindset change of actually material materialism is everything capitalism is everything that mm. we've literally is forgotten uh what it's what the true cost of of making that food or having that experience in that restaurant or wearing that dress or yeah. having coffee is is really about because the true cost to consider it in a holistic way is not just the cost of that coffee that was, I don't know, a couple of pounds, but it's also the cost of, you know, the person, the people's livelihoods that had contact with making that coffee, yeah. that also the cocoa farmers, also the transportation people, also um, the environmental impact of that. Mm. Are we putting it back into the environment and regenerating those resources responsibly? Yeah. To make, because the true cost is a lot more expensive when you think about it. Yeah. 
But it's a lot more fruitful than just thinking about your financial and instant gratification game. That's that's so powerful to share because actually I'm even sat here now. I mean, I try I try to be conscious and make those conscious choices about what I buy. And I'm not going to lie, like it's a, like you said, it's a process, um, and it's it's certainly one that I know I can improve on. But I think actually that's something that I certainly taken on now after hearing you say it is really thinking how much work has gone into this thing. And that's not for me to appreciate it more, but actually for me to say how much work has gone into this that actually could have gone into something of greater value to everyone. And I think that's, that's quite, that's quite a poignant thing. And you literally, while you were talking, I was sat there looking at my desk going, I've got to, I want to save all of this stuff forever. <laughs> I don't want to buy any more new stuff. I like this stuff as it is. Perfect. I'm um, perfect. You know, I work in the industry and I work on, you know, how do we become better and mm. more sustainable. But I'm telling you, even I get confused with recycling. Even, yeah. And when people talk to me, they feel like they need to justify themselves to me. And I'm like, I'm not the police. Yeah. No, I'm not down the law, and I don't know all the answers. Mm -hmm. All I know is that this is the intention yeah. happen, and my job is to influence people and to motivate and drive people to to become more conscious mm. and to become more aware and to find solutions to the things that we don't have because of that rising in consciousness yeah yeah i love the fact that you actually brought up the restaurant analogy um i i'm, I'm gonna say this is such a, a nitpicky thing for me because i i worked in restaurants for so long and of course that was a hypothetical situation i could while you were talking i just hear people who worked in restaurants going that that's not how that would happen and so on and so forth but i totally yeah, I'm sorry i no. did <laughs> I totally get the analogy though, and I, I think the analogy was appropriate. But I mean, there were there would be situations where actually that would have happened, because I did think of scenarios where, yeah, if you um, say if people walked out on a bill in rest, even though actually it's technically illegal, it's also in your contract. If it's written in your contract as a waiter that a table walks out on their bill, you actually have to pay for it. But that's on another. That's a whole other conversation, and that that's not for this. But what I did want to bring up actually was how much food we are consuming. I mean, I, we can't talk about it for too long, but I certainly want to point out that the restaurant industry or the food and drink industry actually as a whole, I want to call out to really start looking at how much wastage there is in that industry. Um, in all my time of working in restaurants and, and you know, going out to eat as well, there's actually only ever been one place I've been in and it was a buffet, um, a buffet restaurant where if you had taken more on your plate than you could eat, there was a surcharge. You were actually charged more for the plate because of the wastage. And it was like a, an incentive. It wasn't necessarily a punishment. It was more of a be aware of what you put on your plate. Because if you're going to order more than you can eat, you're wasting that food. It's going to go straight in the bin. And then that whole that whole line of product. And again, it's, it's thinking about how long has it taken for that food to actually reach your plate for it to go straight in the bin? How long, how much time, how much space, how much energy has gone into that bit of food that you have not eaten that is going to go straight into the bin? And... I really, I, I really wanted to bring that up because I think that's as much a part of this as possible as, as sorry, as everything else, because we can talk about person hours, we can talk about plastics and materials and stuff, but that still goes into food production and drink production. Absolutely. And it's that whole consumption piece and, yeah. and, and how society views this throwaway culture, mm -hmm. this consumption and absolutely. Um, completely agree from a from a food aspect and and then you get um then i think that restaurant is very clever but you can see wh what businesses could do mm. to help the consumer actually take stock and think that one small thing one small surcharge i mean it doesn't stop them from eating as much as they want no no 
But what it does do is stop and make you think, oh, and I've never seen that in a restaurant before. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, that's a really clever idea. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so, too. I really liked it. And, and, you know, there are businesses out there being really innovative and really helping raise that awareness. But mm. they are only one one organization I, you know these are small little pods of many millions and millions of businesses around the world but but if if we want humankind to still exist in a hundred years time if we want um you know children of of the next generations to to have this planet as their home mm-hmm. we really need to think about collectively and make some big changes now we don't have the luxury to make incremental changes anymore we have to make some big decisions and we have to move fast yeah together absolutely absolutely so that that then is the wonderful segue onto the last part and I, i think actually even though we've had segments with the individual the group society business and then global we've definitely been jumping over those throughout the conversation which is great because this has been I mean for me personally this has been valuable um so you know I'd love to hear what the listeners think as well um but going into the global aspect of sustainability and environmentalism I I really want to see what what actually let's just go jump straight into it because we've touched on a lot of the problems that we're facing and the challenges that we're facing I mean you've even said outright we we are yet to figure out properly some of the actions, resources or strategies to really resolve this. And we're working on it, but we don't know yet in some industries. There's literally no answer. So then let's just jump to the positive end result of the, the vast majority of people really taking those conscious choices, businesses really taking those conscious decisions and people genuinely really having that mindset of, longevity and and forward thinking instead of the immediate gratification i mean what do you picture in your head my ideal scenario is the well-being of people Mm. and it's the well-being of the planet in combination with each other Mm -hmm. so i mean by the well-being of people is that somebody making a pair of jeans or somebody making a paper coffee cup Mm. Them being able to earn a livelihood that can support their families uh, and themselves mm. in a way that they're not just working to survive. Yeah. They they are being they have a ecosystem for themselves and their family whereby they can grow in a purposeful way. I yeah. truly believe that everyone has a specific purpose in life and can make and can leave a legacy to leave this place in, in with something that can be kept here forever because it's made the planet a little better or it's made the lives for people a little better mm. or any creature mm. but it, you know i i personally that's my true belief and my ideal scenario is that everyone has the opportunity to take that and make their purpose and make their legacy in any way that they choose to. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's one element of, uh, of my perfect scenario. And the, the second element is the, the environmental piece. So, so that there is investment for everything, um, So for solutions for everything, um, literally, if we can find solutions of every single bit of waste that happens on this planet, which happens every second of the day, um, I believe that that we can survive and be very happy and evolve and innovate. Mm. If we are restricted in, if we restrict our resources to what we can handle Mm. and not taking up the resources of three times our planet, which we're currently doing, mm. um, we could live very prosperous lives. Yeah. Um, and then there's that profit piece. And this is something that 
can be very contentious, but it shouldn't be going to that one percent of the planet of no. one people across the globe. And this is where it 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 really grates me because this is some a mind shift that needs to happen very quickly. But the most difficult mindset to change is having spread that wealth, that financial wealth, because the more you give opportunities. Uh, financial opportunities to some very clever people in this world, but just struggles to find that resource. Yeah, be able to fulfil that the legacy that they dream. Yeah, um, then we can prosper more than we can with only the one percent of the planet having the majority of the wealth. Sure. Um, and that doesn't go to say that everybody on this planet wants to fulfil a legacy or a purpose. But there is a fundamental broken system that we currently live in because there are lots of people on this planet that don't believe they have anything to live for on this planet. Because it's the culture that we have been born in. We live and breathe it. You know, some people are in circumstances where they think, well, what's the point? There's nothing in here for us. Mm. Uh, And fundamentally everything starts with ourselves so it goes starts grows globally Mm. you know and the more opportunities you can provide people the 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 more belief that they can have in themselves to say actually we've got something to give to this world too yeah and to each other and so by being able to spread that wealth i believe that we can spread more empowerment more happiness, more joy, more peace, everything, I think, can be solved from that. I'm not going to add anything to that. Thank you so much. That's, um, that's beautiful. And, and so I think that will, I think that honestly, we'll, we'll, we'll have to conclude it because I don't, I don't think there's anything else that I want to add on to the end of that. I think that's a, a wonderful vision. And certainly, while you call it your ideal, it's not impossible. I know that there's also the mindset that if you have a dream or if there's an ideology and things like that, it's, it's you know, unreachable or it's, you know, tunnel vision or pipe dreams, things like that. But it is possible. But like you said, it starts with you. That's why this podcast, every episode starts with the individual. It starts with you, the listener, right at home. That's the one. Great. Thank you. So thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing um, the wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. All right. Well, until the next time, everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll catch up with you again soon. Take care. I don't know if you can ever hear it, and I don't know if you do hear it, but there is certainly a, I want to find the right word for this. There's a rather, I think for lack of a better word, there's a desperate energy in the words of this interviewee that says, we've got to do something. Something really needs to be done here. And when you hear it from experts, when you hear it from, as I mentioned before, you know, David Attenborough, you hear it from scientists, when you hear it from people who are really caring about this and not as a personal agenda, but as a global thing, I want to say that that wants to be a signal to be just at least marginally, at least marginally more alert. I'm sure they would say differently, but I'm going to say at least marginally because an individual's effort, I think in you as a listener, you, you may be thinking, and I know because I've heard people say this, like, what difference is it going to make if I choose to make slight differences and so on and so forth. But there's one thing that I feel about social cohesion is it is indeed one person making a choice to do something differently. But if one person makes a choice to do something differently and that choice is made with a collective, not not in a codependent state of, well, if that person's not going to do it, then I'm not going to do it. But in a sense of, I'm going to do it because I know what I believe in and I know that I don't want this to happen. So I'm going to make the action and I'm going to do something about this. 
then you just don't know where you're going to see or find other people who might be doing exactly the same thing with exactly the same motivation of, I don't care that other people aren't, I'm going to. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode someone I know who lives on minimal resources and lives comfortably on minimal resources. But they're not doing it thinking, oh, well, you know, other people, other people are doing it, so I'm going to do it, or other people aren't going to do it, so I'm not going to do it. They're going to do it off their own volition. And I really want to speak to that because I know that there is a hopelessness in the way that people see environmentalism and climate change in the way that we're treating the planet is it feels hopeless. We've been given this this deadline of 12 years. And in the episode, the interviewee says, you know, in a certain number of years, the ocean is going to be ruined. And we're not saying that in a sense of hopelessness of that's going to happen, but a sense of if we do not, as individuals or collectively take action, tiny marginal actions that we can take now, then that's what's going to happen. So I guess in the spirit of social cohesion, it's to go, well, instead of perhaps paying attention to what will happen if we continue on this path, because that's that's what we know. We're only going with what behavior we're projecting right now. Right. So that's why we have that that vision. That's why we have that kind of foresight of we know this is going to happen because we've got the, the data and information of our actions at present saying this is going to be the result of our actions right now. So we have to imagine and we have to give ourselves positive foresight and images of what could happen, which is why I asked the question, what would the world look like if we were all performing at our best? Not the world's going to end and everything's going to be horrible if we keep doing what we're doing, right? It is a case of what can we envision? What positive things can we envision if we are able to change our behavior in this facet, in this area and in other areas? It's easy for us to be negative. We do have a negativity bias. And I say the collective we, you know, the negativity bias is there. It's socialized in us. So it does take the work to give ourselves that positive view on things, to give ourselves that, well, actually, what's the best case scenario that could come out of this? And if I look at that result, if I work backwards, what actions could I take to get there? Suddenly things change. So from this episode, what's come up for you? What new things? And actually, I want you to jump over to Instagram at the only other Dan, and I want you to share with me what positive things you can see in taking new action, what positive things you see in your own life, or again, in a societal sense, in a global sense, that you see in actually changing actions on a minute scale and thinking about, you know, what if, what if instead of buying new clothes, I was able to repair my old ones? What if instead of buying loads of, let's say, ready meals or more ready meals, I actually pull back on buying ready meals and packaged foods? What if I actually just stopped buying as much meat as I, I used to? What if I realized I don't need to eat meat every single day? What would happen? And then holding on to that vision and moving in that direction. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. And I look forward to speaking to you in any other episode you choose to listen to. Until then, though, much love. Have a fantastic day. All the best.